Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. As you might expect, we've been asked a lot over the past week about what happened in the copper market with record backwardations and low exchange inventory. And the key question was whether this trend was driven by end demand or by financial market moves. And as with many things, the answer is a bit of both. Copper, and indeed all major base metal markets, have been in a bona fide deficit this year. As measured on a 12-month absolute change, 2021 demand impulse has been the largest in history, bigger than post the GFC, as the world underwent a very metals-intensive recovery. Meanwhile, it's also natural psychology that when there's concern that something critical to -to day-to-day operations such as copper might be in short supply in the not-too-distant future, purchasers rush out to buy it. Given the combination of ongoing logistic constraints and power issues, end-users of metals are definitely feeling that pressure now. Feedback from the recent LME week was that end-users are currently sitting with more material in their balance sheets than usual to buffer against shocks contributing to the near-term stock draw. And visible inventory, both in terms of on-exchange and bonded, is down on 2021 highs. But total LME copper warehouse inventory isn't actually that low. Indeed, it was lower last time copper traded above $10,000 per tonne. But with cancelled warrants representing around 90% of this, only a tiny proportion of on-exchange copper is actually available to the market. And the fact that these cancellations came right into the LME's prompt date expiry does point to a classic short squeeze, and therefore, we view this as temporary. To be clear, none of this is outside the rules, but the fact that the LME had to apply temporary rule changes points to the flaws in the system, and we would expect some of these temporary changes to perhaps become permanent. And with available inventory so low, while we may see some downside in copper price, the volatility is likely to remain high through year-end. If there's one area that's crucial to end demand for metals, is China property, and the current situation there looks increasingly strained with land auctions grinding to a halt over the National Day holiday at the start of this month, and further concerns over developer balance sheets and defaults. This points towards even more weakness in new starts, I would say, over the near future, particularly given we have cement prices at record levels, steel rebar prices trending higher, and thus the cost of building has really surged over the past month. Now, property developers are in full deleverage mode, and therefore new building unlikely at this point. But in turn, this raises the risk of higher sector unemployment into early 2022. So, the central government and the NDRC will have to do something. Already we're seeing some easing of mortgage restrictions in certain cities to aid sales, but in our view, more direct support will likely be needed. And the big question is when? Well, coming up we have the 6th plenum. Uh, It's held in the second week of November and we feel that post that we may see more announcements of state-sponsored housing, given that plays well into the shared prosperity and income redistribution policies that President Xi wants to define his era of strategic leadership. This might involve giving developers some slack on the three red lines for deleveraging if they contribute to the efforts. However, it may take a number of months for this to kick in, and the lack of new starts does not bode well for metals demand or pricing at the start of 2022. The only thing that might get a more rapid, more aggressive policy response be a drop in property values, given the negative feedback loops this could create on the financial system. We are fast approaching the COP26 summit in Glasgow, which could, or could not, provide further impetus for the fuel to materials energy transition. 
but it comes against the backdrop of an extremely tight energy situation across many markets, one which is now impinging on economic growth potential. Indeed, we continue to lower our industrial production growth forecast, both for the current quarter and for the first half of 2022. To solve the energy problem in the near term, we would expect a push for greater energy efficiency measures. And as part of this, and on the back of simple economics given higher energy prices, we would expect some capital spending in this area. Given buildings account for around 30% of global energy consumption in areas such as space heating and via appliances, building efficiency is definitely an area to watch. And we see many metals as potentially benefiting from this, including aluminium in smart facades, zinc and copper in more efficient HVAC systems, copper, gallium and indium for LED lighting systems, plus stainless steel for heat pumps. It's an area that governments have perhaps underappreciated and underinvested in as part of their green stimulus policies, but we see that potentially being rectified given the current energy situation. It's fair to say I have never been asked as many questions on magnesium in my life as I have over the past two weeks. We've seen statement after statement from automotive groups and manufacturing industry associations warning of the risk to jobs from a global magnesium shortage, while aluminium and even packaging producers have been subtly flagging it as a risk in recent quarterly results. Certainly, as an energy-intensive material output in China, it has been severely restricted in recent weeks. However, the latest reports suggest that capacity has been restarted with up to 80% now back online. That said, getting this to end users is still likely to be a challenge. We thus expect that magnesium will be a further price pressure in certain areas, most notably automotive and aerospace where alloy qualification is a stringent process and the ability to substitute rare. However, any real constraints affecting end product output are likely to be localised. The bigger discussion that this will undoubtedly lead to, however, is China's relative dominance of certain value chains and critical metals. In magnesium, the recent crisis has brought home that if Yulin City in Shaanxi has a problem, then the world has a problem. And this will likely see efforts made to diversify the supply risk, perhaps coupled with pressure on governments to help fund projects outside of China, either directly or indirectly. Expect to hear a lot more on strategic critical metals projects over the coming years. Thank you once again for listening. Indeed, such has been the success of Metal Matters that we now have our own dedicated podcast stream. We will be moving away permanently from the current BMO in-tune feed over the coming weeks, so please do search for BMO Equity Research Metal Matters and subscribe. We promise to keep taking all the moving parts in metals and mining markets and to distill them into concise snippets for you. If you have any questions, just get in touch directly and please join me again to discuss more pertinent issues next time round. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton.com at bimo.com To access our full disclosures please visit researchglobalzero.bimocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure